I know we got several uh, people on vacation still. Some of them just left down in Florida. And, and also Jessica uh, Daughtery, and, and uh, she lost her grandfather a few days ago, and they're down in Kentucky. So we'll be praying for Jessica and Sean and little Dylan down in Kentucky. They'll probably be back home today sometime. Um, open windows. I almost didn't want to put them out there because that means the fall and the winter is coming. But they're out there. They're all over the place. Take your open windows. They're daily devotional, so you're welcome to them wherever you see them. Just grab a hold of it and take it home with you. Uh, some people like to take them where they work and put them in the restrooms. You're welcome to do that also. Whatever you, wherever you desire. This is the last week in Exodus, and we're going to be talking about the Passover, the departure. Uh, Passover is, a, is a, it's not a difficult, it's not hard to understand, but there's a, there's a lot of different facets, there's a lot of different facets to it. It's, it's a, a lot of symbolism that goes back to, that goes forward to the New Testament and to Jesus Christ, and there's just a whole lot of just rich stuff in that. So we're going we're gonna to zero in and just one every, and we'll spend the second part of the sermon into the New Testament talking about the cross, uh, because the cross and the Passover, they can't, you can't separate them, they go together. Uh, and we'll, we'll get into that a little bit, but as we, as we start, uh, I got to settle down a minute. I get all excited and I can't figure out what, what, what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm going on vacation. I can't wait for that. I know, I know. I just say, hey, I'm going to the Badlands. Uh, I'm going to enjoy that. I need, to, need, to, need a little bit of time off. So uh, as I'm gone, though, uh, uh, Brad will be preaching, uh, my son, and then Where's Chris? Chris? Christine right here. You haven't met them yet, but I'm going to introduce more to them to you next week. Uh, him and his I can't pronounce your name, uh, your wife's name, Amelia. Amelia. Say it again. Amen. 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 <laughs> Amen, right? Where's that from? French. Okay, well, I, I knew it wasn't German. French. Okay. So we got a, we got a, a French, little French lady over here, so... Uh, May, a uh, beautiful name, beautiful name. I, I don't guess I've ever heard that before. It's a beautiful name. Uh, so please come to church when I'm not here, will you? Uh, I know that's weird to say, but every time, you know, it, it, you don't know how bad it, it, it it's like, you got to come. This church is not about one person or two people. It's about the body of Christ. It's about Jesus Christ. Amen. Come, bring friends with you. Brad's a great preacher, and, and Chris has been around. He's been a pastor before, and, and uh, I haven't heard him preach, but I'm sure he's going to be fine. So please come and, and, and enjoy the Lord. Because uh, when, when, I, when I look in the pumpkin, I say, well, half the people weren't there. I said, man, I, you just don't know how defeating that is. <laughs> it's like, I can't leave, you know, and it's not about me. It never has been about me. One day, I'm not going to be here. And this church has got to, it's got to keep going. And you young people, you got to rise up. We're so blessed to have young people, but you've got to rise up. You've got to let some of those old people, we're getting tired. You've got to rise up. You've got to do more. I mean, we're blessed. A lot of these churches are dying out because there's no young people in them. We don't have that issue, but you've got to rise up. Uh, I look around at some of the people that do some of the wonderful things around here, but, you know, poor Bill back there. I won't say no more. I mean, let's just face it, age is creeping up, so uh, young people rise up. Some of you need to get into some counseling classes and help us out. Bill and Sandy do a great job in counseling, but some of it, we've got to have people to take that over when, when their day comes and they finish, and uh, I'm not pushing Bill out of here. No way, I want him around forever, but 
But those days are coming, and the young people, you need to rise up. All the old people say, young people, rise up. up. There you go. (laughs) Yeah, so, uh, and teach your children. And you you do a good job around here, but teach them. Teach them all the the attributes of God. Let's, uh, let's, 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 Let's do it. Heavenly Father, as we come before you, Lord, I thank you for the message today, Lord. I thank you that this church is full of young people. And, and Lord, I thank you that most of them are so sweet and such a wonderful hearts. And Lord, I just pray that uh, you would enlighten them to rise up. And Father, that they would go and be exactly who you want them to be at such a young age, Father, that their whole life is just full of blessings from you. And it's in your precious name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. I wrote this down yesterday, I think I sent it out. And it's uh, the very fabric of faith is not knowing all the details. And I think you just need to write that down in your Bible there somewhere or something. You need to write that down. The very fabric of faith is not knowing all the details. And as we look at this departure in the Passover, they didn't know all the details. But, but their faith of all the plagues that went before and what's taking place, their faith had to step up and they had to be prepared to go. And it's no different today. I don't know all the details. In fact, there's a lot of times when I, when I write something or when I'm doing or do something, I don't know hardly any of the details. And as soon as God wants me to know them, I know them. Amen? And I, we're, we're in a world, especially I've owned a business for 40-some years, you want the details out in front of you because you don't want to take chances. Well, in, in God's world, in the spiritual world, you don't have to know them. And I think that's one of the hardest things that we, we need to separate is everybody wants to know the details. You know, we're getting ready to go on this vacation, and uh, I have a, Vicki made this up for all of us. It's eight different, I think, we just, there's just all kinds, they're maps. Man, I got them highlighted exactly where I'm going to go, and most time when we're going to be there, our itinerary, and where we're going to stay. I've got it, it's all, there it is. It's detailed out. Because that's what we do, isn't it? That we just detail everything out. We want to know exactly. Now, I don't know what's going to happen from, from point to point. But I know from point to point. And a lot of times, God, he just says, just trust me with all of it. And you don't need to know it. Just have the, have the very fabric of your faith grounded in God. And he says, I'll take it from there. Most of the time when I'm preaching up here, I have no idea the next 10 seconds of what I'm going to say. And that's okay. I've got my outline. I'm just going to go with that. When I'm sending out a text or, or when I'm stopping to talk to somebody, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't even know what I'm going to say. Sometimes I don't even know what the next word is. But guess what? I'll just sit there and I'll pray until I get it. i got my Bible open. I know what I'm doing. I'm just going to sit there until I get it. That's called faith. That's called waiting on God. He's got the details of my life. What makes me think if I had the details, I would even follow through with them? I'd probably come up with a better idea. And I would fail and fail and fail. Now, isn't that what a lot of us do? Because we just demand to know where we're going in every moment of that. And God says, let me have the details. I'll give them to you when you need them. So as we look at this departure and we're heading out of Egypt, and we're not going to go very far, we're just going to touch on it a little bit. We're going to head over to the cross. Everybody write that down? The very fa- Everybody say that for me. The very fabric of faith is not knowing all the details. I didn't hear that very good. Yeah, you get that down, 
and you're going to be okay. Amen? I mean, I'm telling you, you get that down, and you just open up the Word of God, and you get in the prayer world, and you get that down, you're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. Sometimes we have to really step there and be patient on God. The next day, this is out of John chapter 1, verses 29. It's a powerful. It's going to go with the Passover. The next day, John, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He's telling you who Jesus Christ is right here. He's referring back to the Passover. And he says again, the next day as John sees Jesus coming, he's, getting, he's already baptized him. He sees him coming. He's, he's telling, he's proclaiming it to all the people around. He's, he's shouting it out. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him. And you think John was like this? Well, there's Jesus. Howdy. There he is. Come on down. What do you think he was doing? I mean, he's the Messiah. He's God. He's excited about it. So I think it might have went like this. Behold! I mean, he's getting everybody's attention. And he's going to say, behold! And he's going to say, there's the Lamb of God. Right there it is. Right there he is. And not only is he the Lamb of God, he's the only one that can take away the sin. Your forgiveness, that's where it's got to come from, from him. So it was a very moving, powerful moment in the ministry of Jesus Christ. Do you think God was in the details there? Do you think he had that figured out? you think he had that planned out? you think Jesus knew where to be? you think God had planned in John the Baptist's heart on what to say? Yes, he did. And that same God works the same way today, and he applies those same things to our lives. And we are to proclaim this same message today. It hasn't changed. Behold the Lamb of God who has changed my life. Who has made me something completely different than I was before. It's the same testimony. We're to give it out. Your children. Young people, who are your children should be growing up hearing about your testimony. I've told you many times about my dad. I can never forget it. He said, the moment I got saved, the cigarettes went out the window and the beer went down the drain. I'll never forget that in my entire life because he had something that changed his life. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the what? Everybody say it one more time. The world. All of mankind, all of mankind, even the world is full of sin. Everything is taken away. He's the only one that can remove it. So this is a powerful verse. Powerful verse. God's word requires, I wrote this down in Vicki Salt the other day, and she says, she just kind of laughs. She says, boy, just keep it simple. God's word requires that people believe in him and act on that belief. Amen? If you're going to depart... If you're going to say, Lord, I belong to you, then you have got to believe him and you've got to stay with him. You've got to stay in his word. You've got to follow him through that word. So the word requires. It doesn't, it isn't a suggestion. It requires me. It requires you to live a life of righteousness. And that's not your pathway to, to salvation. Your pathway to salvation is the blood of Christ, the cross. But we're to live this life. It requires that people believe in him and act that belief. So I struggled. I struggled with my, my years when I walked away from God. I struggle with that. But I understand these things. 
Boy, God loves me, doesn't he? Doesn't he love you? I mean, does everybody say, God loves me? He does. He does. He puts up with us. He puts up with our foolishness. He puts up with our craziness. He puts up with us because he loves us. And he allows these things in our lives that we can see him working and that we can apply him to our lives. By faith, the blood of the lamb must apply to our souls. Everybody say amen. amen. The blood of the lamb, it must apply. It must not just happen, not just think about it, but apply to my soul. Or I will not be changed. It has to be who I am. It's who I've become. Through Christ and Christ alone. We may not know or even understand all the details of this life. But we are set apart and called to go and be. Everybody say go and be. Amen. That's what we're called to be. The Great Commission in Acts all over the Bible. We're called to go and be the word of God, truth of God. In Exodus 12, 5 through 7, it reads here. Your lamb will be without blemish. And this, was a, this is what God was telling the, the Hebrews to do, that this is what they had to do, and that this was going to be known still to the day, Passover. But these are a few verses that pull this out about blood. It says, your lamb shall be without blemish. And wasn't Jesus Christ without blemish? Wasn't he without any sin? A male, and of course Jesus was a male. Of the first year, a young male, a young lamb that, that had no time to be damaged, no time to be hurt, but a, a, a young lamb that was completely perfect. It refers back to Jesus. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Now you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. Now this time right here, there's, there's, there's about four or five days that they're going to keep this lamb. If you go and read some other verses, it's, gonna, it's actually going to be in the home with them. They're actually going to bring this lamb in the home with them. It directly tells them to bring it in your home. Now, the lamb of God, aren't you supposed to bring it into your home? Not just out here on the church, but into your house. That your children can see it. That your neighbors can see it. One of Vicki's family's members, uh, her brother, his, uh, his wife, she walked into her house years ago and and, uh, and, and, and they all believe in Jesus, and that's up to them, that's between them and God, whatever. But she had every other kind of God you could think of, from, from Buddha, from all different kinds of gods, all around her house. She had it all decorated up. We walk in and look at her, well, I don't know which God she believes in. I'm going to tell you something. I believe in the one true God, Jesus Christ. Amen? You don't have to figure out if I believe in Buddha or Huba or Muhammad or whoever it is. I believe in Jesus, and it's obvious to see that. Be careful what you have around your house. Your kids grow up seeing those things. You may take it from the sheep and from the goats. Now you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. Now I'll tell you something. You bring that sheep, this pretty little, and it's going, bah. I seen a dog yesterday. I walking out of Rural King, and it looked just like a little lamb. I told that last, that thing's a lamb. I want to borrow it tomorrow. It was about that big. It had its face all shaped. It was all fuzzy and stuff. It was the cutest little dog I ever saw, but I'm telling you, it looked like a lamb. I was thinking, you know, you, you bring that up here and that lamb in your house, and what are the kids going to do with it? Come on, what do they do with little puppies? What do you do with it? Of course you are. You're going to bring it up to you. You might even put it in your bed. You develop a relationship. Amen. You spend time with it. You're loving it. And, and it loves you. You can just, bah, bah, bah. 
The issue is, though, the lamb's got to die. That lamb's got to die. We have the lamb of God, and he had to die for us. We can have a relationship with him, a loving relationship, just like you can with that, that little whatever. So much deeper of a relationship. And if it wasn't for his death, I would be unable to have that relationship. You keep it for the 14th day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation shall kill it at twilight. And there's the meaning in that, but we're not going there today. And they shall take some of the blood and put it on the doorpost, the lintel of the houses where they eat. Wendy, will you get up and just not tear off that pharaoh down there? He's gone. Just pull him right on down. He'll come right down. Just, or somebody, just jerk him off. Brent, somebody, go jerk him off. I want him down. He's gone. I don't want to see him no more. Because, see, the Passover's coming. My mind's not on Pharaoh no more. Thank you. See that, see that door? I, made it, I probably made that door 15 years ago. He's gone. My mind's not set on that anymore. I'm not, I'm not set on that. I'm not worried about that anymore. My focus is doing what God tells me to do, and he's going to set me free. Now that door there, it's got a cross on it. It's got blood, a red paint all around, which represents blood. It's got black on it because the black is that darkness that wants to overtake us. That blood is the only thing that will save you. That cross is the only redemption. It's the forgiveness that we have. And the door is Jesus Christ. So on that night, they were asked to, to kill this lamb, to roast it, and to take its blood and put it all over the door. Because later, an angel of darkness, or an angel of death, not darkness, but an angel of death was going to come and, and take all the first, firstborn, even the animals. You said, boy, that's harsh. That's harsh. Yeah. So is sin. It's a lot worse. Sin destroys everything and everybody. It takes more of you than you'll ever want to give. When you let sin creep in, it doesn't, it is never happy until it devours you. God has showed mercy and grace throughout this time. The Egyptians could have put blood over their doors. They knew what to do. They could have done the same thing. It's those that trust God with faith that took the lamb in, that put the blood out, and heard the screams and the cries. And they trusted God through it. Amen? Amen. They shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts on the lintel of the houses where they eat it. Look here. And thus you shall eat it with a belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. What does that mean? That means you're going you're gonna to have to be in a hurry. Amen? you got to be in a hurry because you've got to get out. I mean, you're going to depart after 400 years of slavery or maybe after 20 years of, your, of living in a sin or 10 years of living in your sin. I heard of a man not too long ago that was up in his 70s that got saved. You're going to have to depart from that. And you need to be ready. You need to be ready to depart. Why would you want to hang out with it? So you shall eat it in, in what? Everybody say haste. It is the Lord's Passover, for I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night and will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. 
and against all the gods of Egypt. Look at that, all the gods. There's not one god in Egypt that can stand and stop this, is there? Nothing can stop God, the one true God. I will execute judgment. What's he doing? Executing what? Judgment. Is he coming back? And when he comes back, what's he coming back for? Judgment. He's coming back to judge. He's coming back as a king to judge. I am the Lord. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague will not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. You know what's going to save me in the day of my death? The blood of Christ that passed over my, my soul, my heart, that I've given my life to him. And he'll see that blood, that blood of Jesus Christ, the righteousness of him. And I'm saved through that. Amen? Amen. Not any other way. Not any other way. Don't be fooled by thinking you can work your way to heaven. There is no other way. The blood and salvation. Salvation required the sh- requires the shedding of blood. The lamb had to die. Amen? Amen? The lamb, he had to die. God had planned this before he ever laid the first foundation of the earth, before he ever put the stars, before he had the universe. He planned this. He knew it had to happen this way. He had every, everything detailed out. And we can see it through the prophets, through the writings of his word. Everything was laid out, and everything happened when he said it was going to happen. All the prophecies, they didn't take place 100 years later. They took place at the moment God said they'd take place. So why do we look at the Bible, look at all the prophecies, and act like it's no big deal? It is a big deal. It's right there written down for us. Why don't we believe it? It's the called shedding of the blood. Christ is our Passover lamb cross, the place, the place of death. And then we're going to talk about the cross for a few minutes. It's a place of death and blood. It's not a pretty sight. Nor was that night, that lamb, when they had to slaughter that lamb, it wasn't a pretty sight. Because evil's not pretty. Sin's not pretty. But yet it's what we're called to. It's our way home. It's our departure. In Ephesians 1.7 it says, in him we have redemption through his blood. Amen? I have redemption. I have a, a new beginning, a, a, a new start, a, a, a forgiveness. I have this. It's through him, through his blood, not through him walking on the earth, not through him being a, a nice boy or a nice man, but through his blood. Just as Passover, the only way they were going to be saved that night was through the blood of the lamb. It's through the blood. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of what? Everybody say, say sins. Forgiveness. There's a lot of, I don't know if you've dealt with people in jail and things like that over the years, but I have. And they all want, for, I mean, they, they, they just strive for forgiveness. They're eager for it. And they'll look to man and they'll say, oh, I'm sorry, and that's fine. You should, you should do that when you need to. But the true forgiveness that you're looking for comes from one place, and it's called the blood of the Lamb. If you truly want forgiveness, if you truly want forgiveness, if you truly want redemption, a new beginning, a new start, then it's through Jesus Christ. Amen? According to the riches of his grace. 
His grace, the, the, the free gift of the cross, that's grace. The riches of that. How, how rich is your eternal life? It's pretty rich to you, isn't it? Absolutely. It's rich. Isn't it rich to know your children have accepted Christ? Your grandchildren? Isn't that rich to you? Amen. That's what we should strive for. In Hebrews 9.22, it says, And according to the law, almost all things are purified with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is what? Everybody say that. No remission. Whether it's the blood of that night of the Lamb or whether it's the blood of Jesus Christ, there's no remission without the shedding of blood. A place of identity. The cross, is, it's a place of identity. And this is... I, when I put this together, I was what is kind of struggle with this. It's a place of identity. It's when, when you come to that cross, there's one beautiful cross, there's another one up here. When you come and, you're, and your heart is, is struggling to understand everything, struggling to understand the, the redemption that, you're, that you strive for, the forgiveness that you want, and you're trying to figure out how, how does this work? But you know in your heart it works. You know it does. Sometimes we come, in, we come at the cross and we're looking at it and, we're, and we want it so bad and it becomes an emotional thing. And that's okay. That's a wonderful thing. But it's deeper than emotions. Amen? Amen. It's deeper than charismatic junk. It's deeper than that. It's deep. It's the blood of Christ. My goodness. You've got to come with that mindset. And you've got to have that identity. That who you are. And who he is, not was, but is. And you've got to face yourself and face him and what he did. As we'll look at a few scriptures here, it says here, this is in Ephesians 2, 1 through 5, it says, And you he made alive. Everybody say, he made me alive. He made me alive. So that means what? I was once dead. Yeah, I was once dead, but now I'm alive. And I, I, I can see that when I come to Christ, when I come to the identity, and we're going to read about it here in a minute, when I come to the identity, I can realize that I was once dead. I was truly dead, dead in, the, in, a, in a spiritual sense, dead. The only thing that mattered to me was money and junk, dead. But he made me spiritually alive. He made me alive. Isn't it good to be alive? Isn't it good? I mean, come on now, isn't it good to be alive? You can just picture yourself as identity as laying in some old cold coffin, maybe made by wood or something, just laying there like a slab of nothing. And that's what you are until you come to Jesus Christ. Putting this together, I was thinking, how long, how many generations will remember me? My grandchildren. Not <laughs> just a few years. But I got a God. A Lord that loves me, that will remember me for eternity. Amen? What is so important? What is so important in this world that won't even remember you after you're gone? Within 20 years, you won't even hardly remember or thought of once in a while, maybe. Or people laugh at whatever you did in the past. That's it. That's it. What is, is there something so important that you're willing to die and go to hell for that? There's not. We say that. But I've got to come to that identity about that. Right at the foot of the cross. I've got to truly lay that out. 
and he made you alive who were dead in trespass and sin. In verse 2 it says, in which you once walked according to the course of this world. You walked that way according to what? The nature of this world, that sin nature. That's the way we walk through it. Where we think that another person is what I need in my life. What you need is Jesus Christ, and he'll bring those people into your life. Amen? You parents, you need to be praying for your children's husbands and wives and their friends. And their friends. Because I'll tell you, once they hit about 12, 13 years old, those friends that you allow in their lives are going to have a purpose in their life. And you better take care of it. Amen? Amen. You better nip it in the what? Everybody say nip it in the bud. You ain't the friend. You're the parent. Amen? I told somebody this morning, the whole world is flipped. When I was a kid, we were to be seen and not what, John? Heard. Young people, you ever heard that before? Your kids are to be seen and not heard. In other words, don't let them persuade you into doing things you know better not for them. You are, the, you are the parent. You are the, 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 the one with the wisdom and the knowledge. Lead them to the cross. That they can have identity in the cross. In verse 3 it says, Among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh. This is the identity that you have to come to, to grips with. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. See, flesh and mind, boy, they go together, don't they? The flesh, does your flesh have desires? Yeah, it does. And doesn't the mind like to play with your flesh? Come on now, it does. That don't mind to play with that flesh. And we're by nature, children, everybody say, wrath. By nature, the nature, you're children of wrath. In other words, wrath, the wrath of God. In other words, the wrath that God should bring upon us because of how we've destroyed his creation. Just as the others. In verse 4 it says, but God. Everybody say, but God. But God. Amen. But God. What? But God. But God who is what? Rich in what? Everybody say, rich in mercy. He's rich in mercy because we deserve the wrath of God, not the mercy of God. And he's going to take... His son's blood, and let it be not just, not just killed, but completely humiliated for the likes of me. See, that's the identity. I've got to have that. I've got to understand who I am to understand who Jesus Christ is. If I can't figure out that I need him so desperately because I am a child of wrath, that I might bring him into my life but not really mean it. I might bring him into my life. I might say, Lord, I need you. Just get me through these problems. And you have a false conversion. But if I can identify with the cross, if I can identify with who Jesus is, the blood of the Lamb, then I can identify what I need to do. Surrender to him. Because of the great, let me see in verse 4, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love. Everybody say great love. Great 
Now say his great love. With which he loved us. Everybody say that. Which with he loved us. So of his great love, which he loved us. Even when we were dead in trespassing. Even when we were cursing his name. Even when we used his name in vain. Even when we called said no way. He still loves us. I got to have the identity of who I am. And i got to have the identity of who he is. Amen? Amen? And I start to get a glimpse that it's more than just words that save you. It's a complete life change. Amen? Amen. Even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together. Amen? Together. But what is Together. The family of God. Amen? Amen. The church. Together. We're never, we're never to be lone rangers in Christ. But together. Held together in unity by his love. Christ, by grace. Everybody say, by grace you have been what? Saved. Saved. And we started this message with faith. And you go, I'm not going to go on, but if you go on, you'll find out it's faith and grace. Without the grace, I can't be saved. And without the faith to take him in to see the blood of the cross, to see the identity, I'm going to struggle. And one more point, and we're going to close. It's the place of redemption. It's the cross is a place of redemption and surrender. It's a place where I, where I, where I understand the blood of Christ. I mean, I, I've, I'm clearly getting a clear, pic, a clear picture of the Passover, the, the departing of, of sin, to know that I've got to be, to be ready, to be in a hurry, to go and be. I, I'm starting to comprehend these things. I see the, the ugliness of who I really was, and I see the righteousness of who he is, and, and that, that the creator of all things, God that created everything, would die for me. I know everybody says, well, I've heard that all my life. Well, you need to hear a little more until it sinks deep in to who he is and who you are. And if your attitude is, well, I've heard it. Well, you've got the wrong attitude. And you need to get on your knees because you clearly have not identified who you are and who he is yet. The place of redemption and surrender. When you're in a battle and you raise your hand and you do this, what is that? Surrender. You're saying, I've got no hands to fight you. I, I, I'm surrendering it to you. I don't know the details of what's going to happen next. I know I'm not going to be treated very well. If you go talk to POWs and stuff, a lot of them were really starving and beaten and didn't know if they'll ever see their family again. But the only choice they had left in life was to do this and surrender and give it all to God. Amen? Amen. I'll tell you what, there's not too many atheists in the POW camps. Because hope becomes one place, the word and truth of God. As you raise your hands and surrender to Jesus Christ, he's not our enemy, he's our king. He loves us. You will not be mistreated, you will be loved and gathered together. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appealed to, has appeared to all men. This is in Titus. I'm going to close here in a minute. Has appeared to all men. Who, who has this grace appeared to? All 
all men. Reaching or teaching us. Teaching. What is teaching? Picking up the word of God. Applying it to my life. More than just learning, but applying it to my life. Not knowing all the details. I can learn the details of the Bible, but I don't want to learn the details of, of everything that's going to take place in my life. That's my God. I'm just going to have faith in him because I know him. I love him. I trust him with my life. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously. How are we to live? Soberly. Not, not, not drunk on the world's lust. Not drunk with the materialism or, or, or the Buddhism or, the, or whatever it is. Not drunk in the, in the little gods all over the world. But being sober. Not full of the lust of the world. Righteously and godly in the present age. I love that present age. Every word in the Bible has such meaning. You know what the present age is? See, God knew. He knew the details, didn't he? He wrote it all. He knew that in 2017, come August 6th, Paul Taylor's going to stand up here and preach a sermon on this. He knew it. He put it in my heart. He knew it. He knew how the world was going to be. He knows when he's coming back. He has every detail of your life. He knows every hair on your head. He's got it. Amen. Even today, when it looks hopeless, when you say, what does it take? We was at a, over in Spencer yesterday, me and Vicky watching some music in a little festival, and they were trying to, it was called Revive Something Spencer or something, and, and they were trying to revive the area. And, you know, people showed up. It was a nice little crowd. You know what it was? It was church people. Nothing wrong with that. But I, I, I'm not really wanting to reach the church people. I want to teach the church people. I want to reach the lost. Amen? I want to reach the lost. I love the church people. I want to spend all my time I can with them. I want to teach. I want to love. I want to share everything. But I want to reach the lost. That they become who we are through Jesus Christ. Righteously and godly in this present age. And you look at those, these things. You say, how in the world... Can God change this? And that's us taking our faith and just kind of just take the faith of God and we just take and stomp it. Say, so you can't do it. And I'm guilty of it sometimes myself, thinking, what in the world? What is it going to take to fill this church up or to fill another, to fill these souls up with Jesus Christ? It's not up to me. I don't have to know the details. I have to keep reminding myself of that. It's up to Jesus. It's up. Everybody say, it's up to Jesus. My job is to have the faith, that fabric of faith. Looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. The faith, I, my hope is in that, amen. I'm looking for it. I want to share it. That's what Go and Be is all about. Sharing that wonderful hope and that faith. In 14, it says, who gave himself for us. There's the cross. Who gave himself for us that we might redeem, that he, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purity for, for himself. 
Why is he saving us? For himself. Wow. <laughs> Got to take that in a little bit. He's going to take a filthy person like me and save me through his blood that I can be his child. <laughs> Do we have a God that loves us or not? Amen. Amen. Who gave himself for us that we might redeem us from every lawless deed. How many lawless deeds? Every. Everyone. And purify for himself his own special what? Everybody say, I'm special. Don't get prideful over it. You're special. It says right there. For his own special people. Not prideful people, but to know that you have been set apart to depart this world of evil and come to the foot of the cross. Right where that cross is, no matter where it is, it's right in your heart, wherever it is. And you see the blood of Christ. You see the Lamb of God. You identify with him. And you identify with this world of evil and the nature of it and who you were and the wrath that you observed. But then you see the salvation, the forgiveness, the surrender. And your heart knows that you have a chance. That death is not your home. That eternity is in heaven with Jesus Christ. Amen? who gives himself for us that we might, might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people. Everybody read that last part. Zealous. Zealous for good works. I would believe that's called service. It, it's not about salvation. It's about zealous, being just in love with God. In love with the, who he is and what he's done in your life. And you just pour it out because of what he's done. You are so thankful. You're so energetic, so hopeful that you can't, you can't just sit still. You can't sit still. You actually want to help others know what you know. Now remember, my very first principle is it's not how much you know, but how much you love what you know. Amen? You share that with whoever you need to share it with. Watch their eyes open. Watch them start to come from death to life. You have been blessed, blessed, blessed. When you lead somebody to Jesus Christ, and that's all you're doing is just guiding them to the salvation. That is one of the most important things you could ever do in your life. It's not the most important thing. And you are truly blessed, and you never forget those hearts that that accept Christ in their lives. Your challenge for your week. Are you ready to go and be? Come on up, worship team. Are you ready to go and be? I don't care who you are in here. If you think you've got to know every detail about your faith, you're wrong. You need to let God have your life. If you haven't identified at the cross with Jesus Christ, if you haven't come to the, to the very essence of who you are and the very who he is, 
then you need to do that. You need to do that. Let's stand. Next week's family week here at the church. You're going to say, well, I don't think that. I don't think my son or, or uh, this person or that person. <laughs> That's going to be a real challenge. I, I think God can handle the challenge. Amen? Amen? Maybe you need to be praying. Maybe you need to quit worrying about the details of it and start praying for it and letting God deal with the challenge. I don't want him here for one Sunday. I want to see him in eternity. Eternity. It's coming. So I just challenge you this week. If you've got a loved one, whether they know Jesus Christ or not, if you, whoever it is, a family member, they can come and just worship with you next Sunday. Reach out to a neighbor. Reach out. Come and enjoy the Lord next week. It's all going to be about the family next week. Come and enjoy that. Amen? As I say every week, if you belong to Jesus Christ, if you've been at that cross and you have meant business with Jesus Christ, not emotional business, not charismatic business, but business with Jesus Christ, you're a child of God, you're special, then you're welcome at these tables. Enjoy the Lord. Amen? If there's something in your life that, that you're struggling with or you're not wanting to give up, give it up first. Ask for help with that. Just pray. It's the most powerful thing that we have on this earth is prayer. Pray. And mean it. Dear Heavenly Father, as we come before you this Lord today, Lord, I thank you for this message. I thank you for this group of people that we call the crossing, Father that you set it up. I, I had very little to do with it. You did it, Father. Lord, with, if we can just really trust in you and not worry about all the details in this life, but just go forward trusting by faith that you've got all the details, that we depart from the ugliness of this world and they really truly understand that you love us. Father, would you bless us today that we may bless you and bless so many in return. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Come, you're welcome today.